The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. How's the sound? Great. Great. Hello again. Hello again. Welcome back. Or welcome here for the first time. Or first time in a while. Uh, My name is Kodo Tanya. Since we're still um, doing a little troubleshooting, I thought an easy way to start might be... um, Beginning with questions, maybe we um, maybe we could sort of start slowly, start informally with Any? comments about what you notice with your practice. Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, the mic. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I have a question on posture and, sure. and how to sit. Great. Because um, the way that I've mostly been sitting, um, after about 10 minutes, my right leg falls asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So may I show you how I... Okay, thank you. This is great. I'll say as the... As she's getting in the posture to demonstrate, uh, as I said last, last time, it's very, very well worth the time to find the meditation posture that works for you. And from what I can see, you're sitting in the Taylor fashion, Burmese style. And if I can make a suggestion from here, I would suggest maybe two things. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. One is um, you may end up needing that support cushion to support your right knee. But actually, the first thing I would suggest you try is to bring your body forward on the cushion so that you're sitting on the front half, front third of the zafu. If your right leg's falling asleep, it may mean that some circulation's getting cut off here. Yeah, because if I lean back far enough, I can feel the blood just... Yeah. Then, then I think what what you need to do is uh, experiment with a way to sit that's going to that's going to free that uh, that uh, vein, that artery, so it can flow. And it may be, like tiny adjustments will be en- will be enough. Yeah. Um, and this would be for... If your if that didn't work, mm-hmm. or if your knee is floating, which now that you've moved forward, it seems to be down. The wedge would be to put underneath the knee. Yeah, it doesn't seem you need it. And then what I have noticed helps, and I know you mentioned this last week that it's probably not so good, but if I just go like that. Sure. What is what is that? Uh, what effect does that have for you? I don't. My foot doesn't fall asleep. Oh yeah, the um, what you're sitting in now I know is quarter lotus, and that's a great posture if it works for you. Okay. Um, it's it, it can be a little hard for folks who are sitting 
sort of early in their practice. It's hard for me to do now. Because um, it, it puts a little extra torque on the knee and on the ankle, or it can. Yeah. One other thing I might suggest, that not a change that you have right here. Um, do you alternate between which leg is forward I'm between sittings? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that would be one thing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So this is a time for questions and comments about uh, the practice, as as we were talking about it last week. Maybe something you noticed in your meditation on the breathing. Maybe something you noticed in the homework of your. Mindfulness during daily life or your attention to posture throughout the day. Um, hello, good evening, Koto and Tanya. Hi. I really liked uh, what you said about setting an intention first, or sometimes, like prior to the 20 minute sit, at least for me, it was two 10 minute sessions from the Calm app. That I wanted to, that I kind of was following. Nice. So I was just like, okay, let me at least focus on the breath or, or something, focus on the breath. Um, and then after the session, I reflected on how I, how it went and it was pretty good. And I think doing the 20 minute meditations, mostly guided, has been very helpful for me. I did try to do a 10 minute meditation without anything and it was it was kind of difficult just for focus and stuff thank you that's great i i um usually tell people you know 20 minutes is the goal if you can't do 20 do 15 if you can't do 15 do 10 if you can't do 10 do 5 if you can't do 10 do 2 so um and breaking it up if you need to break it up works. So good for you. And maybe if 10 minutes was too long to do without guided, try five unguided. And if that's too long, you know, back it up. But find how long you can do an unguided for. And practice every time, maybe either before, maybe experimenting before you do your guided sits or after. Um, try practicing with whatever, wherever you're at, whatever makes sense to work on the breath or the body is this week, to build up your capacity bit by bit. Yeah, great. Great. So when we're talking into the microphone, we want everyone on YouTube to hear you. And everybody on the recordings who listen for posterity's sake, and so speaking into the mic is great. Thank you. Anyone else have any reflections from their practice or questions? Or if someone from YouTube has uh, any comment or question, we can address that too. Hi. Um, I wanted to talk about laying down. Like I know you mentioned last week that there was a little bit of time where you practice laying down. And sometimes I feel like my body just really, really wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the pros and cons and benefits? Yeah. Sure, sure. Have you had a chance to try it out yet? Uh, what, laying down? Uh-huh. 
No, but last week during class, I like, I was really uncomfortable. I didn't want to lay down, you know. So I, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um, maybe talk about the pros and cons, and then we can um, move in a little bit. The um, practice of mindfulness, uh, as as Tanya was just pointing to, meets us where we are. And that includes all bodies. And sometimes, say, an injured body, for example, is uh, better served lying down than it is sitting up. Um, the downside to lying down meditation is probably exactly what you would imagine. It's easy to fall asleep. Very easy to fall asleep. So um, a trick or a tool that I, I learned from uh, Andrea Fela, one of the teachers here, when she does lying down meditation, she does it, say, imagine me flat on the back. She does it with a, an arm straight up like this. That way, when she falls asleep, she knows it. And it wakes her up. She had, and holding, the, holding the hand up, or two hands, two hands straight up like this, elbows, elbows back, it takes just enough energy to keep you up until it doesn't, and then... You wake up. So um, there's, always a, there's always a measure of discernment. Uh, if, it's, if it's sort of everyday variety discomfort that's motivating me to lie down, then I, you know, I, I, I try for a, a little bit longer to stay, stay up. If, um, if it's actually an injury that I'm trying to, trying to meet and serve, then I'm, I'm more motivated to lie down more quickly. Maybe time for one more, and then we'll okay, go to uh, our next thing. I'm just curious if you could just raise your hand if you practice this week. Fantastic. Fantastic. Nice. nice. Thank you. Nice work. <laughs> nice work. Yeah, wonderful to be on the path together. I think uh, now's probably a good time. Move into a little bit of a, a little more formally at the beginning of our, our session here tonight. So there, there's a teaching by uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who's a translator, scholar, practitioner. Really good news for all of us. For this path, just two things you need. You need to start, and you need to continue. <laughs> Last week we started, and today we have continued. So we have everything we need. Everything we need. We started, um, we started this sequential unfolding of the practices of mindfulness meditation, uh, presenting them in a sequence as we do here beginning first with the breath, mindfulness of the breathing, centering ourselves in mindfulness of the breathing. And then we'll continue. Today we'll talk about the body, mindfulness of the body, expanding our awareness to include the body more deliberately in our experience, in our attention. Next week we will continue further, mindfulness with emotions, 
really important part of human life. Um, often a sort of challenging or vexing, curious-making part of the practice. How do, I, how do I practice with emotions? And we'll get into that next week. After mindfulness of emotions, we'll continue into thinking, and then in the fifth week, we will tie it all together. Starting, continuing. Just to review a couple of the key points from last week. Um, this practice of mindfulness has everything to do with the skillful use of, an, of uh, skillful use of attention. Nothing more mysterious than developing our capacity to pay attention in the present moment. There's a way that what we're doing here unifies the mind and the body in the here and now, this present moment experience. If we are um, daydreaming about... Uh, say, dinner tonight or something in our work tomorrow, our body is here. Our body hasn't gone anywhere. It's right here in the present, but our mind has left the premises. Our attention has left the premises for now. So in the practice, we're just practicing again and again, bringing attention back so that the mind and the body can both be here together. Last time, in addition to talking something, some about uh, attention, we covered some of the key points of posture. Uh, of course, one of the most important points is the alert upright spine that's well supported. Uh, if, you're, if you're seated either in a chair or on the ground, well supported either by uh, the balance from your seat to your knees or your seat and if you're in a chair, down the legs and to your flat feet. If it's okay for your body, sitting, sitting with the, the back free and independent. Long, balanced spine so that the body can relax, uh, relax and loosen around the spine. So along with attention and along with posture, it was mindfulness of breathing. Mindfulness of breathing, so important. Uh, I love this metaphor of the human being as concentric circles. And the center of the circle, we can think of as the breathing. Center ourselves on the breathing. And the other aspects of our life they're included in the, in the circles, but they're all connected here in the center, grounded here in the center of the breathing. So we think, of course, we think, but have the thinking connected to the breathing. Important distinction we brought up last week was direct experience, this here and now, the felt sense of breathing, for example, as compared to our concept of the breathing, our idea about the breathing, our idea of the breath. Another way, direct experience compared to our interpretations of what's happening, the comments or the layers we add on to the direct experience. And we introduce this, uh, this traditional 
tool, this traditional helper. Very soft note. Very soft label. If that's helpful for you, maybe the in on the in-breath, out on the out-breath. Very soft, just to help keep you here with the body now. think maybe just to highlight one more of the important principles we covered. The experience may be pleasant, it may be unpleasant. While our attention is directed to the breathing, we may experience this as pleasant or unpleasant. That is not the indication that it's going well or it's not going well. If there's there's attention enough, if we're attentive enough, to notice just what's going on as it's going on, we're doing the practice. We're doing the practice. So for example, if, if we're breathing, and some say, uh, say a sensation in our body becomes predominant, it's okay to let go of the breathing and be with that. If we're attentive, we're doing the practice. Maybe the last thing I'll say, in this, uh, in this journey we started last week and that we're continuing over these, these next several weeks, the trajectory or the arc of this whole thing is that we include more and more of our experience such that we are learning to be more and more skillful, including everything. Every bit of us gets to show up for mindfulness practice. I think with that, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Does anybody have any concerns about my taking my mask off? It's worth just taking a... I'm kind of going to repeat some of the things Koto said, maybe. Um, and some new things. But one of them is I just want to kind of build back on this idea of... You know, last week we started with attending to the breath, and we talked about... We used the word anchor, right? So this idea of a reference point or something that kind of holds us close to the moment, right? Like an anchor would a boat in the water, right? To keep it from drifting too far away. And I, last week I mentioned something about how the mind sort of, it's a weaver, <laughs> and it weaves all of our experience, all the data that's coming in together, and incorporates past information, probably even anticipatory information. So this weaving brings all of these parts of our experience and creates sort of a more what feels like a solidified whole 
or how we are seeing things. And so what we're, what we're helping ourselves do with this practice is to sort of try and pull this apart a little bit, to make ourselves a little bit more connected with the different um, threads of our experience. Does that make sense? So tonight, we're adding body. We don't need to stop being aware of breath, right? And the invitation is... Uh, Use your anchor, if breath is your anchor. Now, if your breath is not your anchor, right, because it doesn't work for you, because it's triggering or just there's something else, like sound or the body can be an anchor, good anchors. So start with your anchor, right? When you come into meditation, use that anchor. Put it down, drop it in, get it hooked in there. And then the invitation is to open up to noticing the body. Now, guess what? Do you think that that means that the mind is not going to offer thoughts? No. (laughs) And that its emotions aren't going to come up? No. So there's no expectation that your mind has to stop thinking or your heart has to stop feeling. So I just want to give you permission to have your experience, but to highlight, maybe use that noting practice that we talked about with in, out, like, oh, feeling, emotion, or thought. This real simple, not, we're going to, we're doing this sort of trying to loosening the pieces, right? So we don't need to get in there and get tangled up in the thinking or the emotions. Trying to think about that when you're working with strands of a yarn, right? Like sort of how do you let the pieces relax? They can all be there. They don't have to kind of get caught up together. And if they do, just sort of gently try and give them their own room. So we'll start with the breath, with our anchor, if it's not the breath. And then the invitation is to invite the mind to be interested in what's happening in this body. And one simple way is the whole body's breathing, really. We can just start to kind of expand the awareness of the breath, start to notice it in many ways that maybe we don't usually notice it. We usually notice it more in this this center area. So... Just sort of um, trying to create a sense of um, non-conflict for yourselves, right? With what comes up. And just kind of like, okay, and we're going to try and be a little bit more curious tonight about the body and what's happening in the body. So, as Koto said, the body is not thinking and ruminating. You didn't use those words, but essentially the body's in the present moment, right? It's here. It's always here. It's always in the present moment. It's our thoughts about the body that aren't, right? It's our memories or our wishes or our fears. But the body itself is such a present moment anchor. Such a present moment gift. 
So it's a very supportive, very foundational part of our practice, is mindfulness of the body. It's, it's, uh, can be quite delightful to get really centered and connected with our experiences in the body. It can also be difficult if we have pain or other things come up. So I don't mean to say it's going to be all rosy. But even connecting with what's difficult, there can be a beautiful connection to the present moment. Right? If we have pain, sometimes it still can help us stay here in a way that feels very wholesome, nourishing even, even like a break from the mental activity. If you think about what we're doing, maybe one metaphor would be that by tuning in and feeling the sensations in the body, the body has a language, and the language is sensations. And by tuning in and feeling, we're listening. The way of listening to the body is to feel the sensations. So the body doesn't have a narrative. It doesn't ruminate and think. And so maybe a simile or a way to think about this, we're trying to bring a mind that's more simple to the experience of these sensations that are happening in the body. And um, a simile might be going to a sports bar People are watching huge monitors with narrators, not narrators, what are they called? The, the announcers, right? Who are play-by-play talking about what's happening on the screen. People are chatting and commenting, and there's a lot of activity around this TV screen, right? Or the sports that we're watching. And imagine no sound in that environment. No more commentators. Room gets quiet. And just watching the game unfold without all the commentaries, without the stories about the players or comments about how great this was or how unfortunate that was. Just seeing the motion. In a way, this is what we're working to try and experience, is to be with our body and what's happening in our body without all the mental comments, all the interpretations, all the judgments, all the liking, all the not liking. Is that a picture you can imagine? Yeah. My voice is a little soft. I think I I start to put people in a little bit of a meditative space when I'm just talking, yeah? (laughs) So that's great. I'll try and just keep going with it. We'll move into the guided meditation shortly.
So maybe back to this scene of, or the simile of the quietness. And just sensing into maybe seeing yourself in nature. And the sense of intimacy that one can have with your own experience when we're in a a quieter, simpler space. Kind of connecting in this deep listening, which is the receptivity to the feelings and the sensations, the life, really. It's our life energy. Our life being expressed through movement, through breath. So we're growing our capacity to be intimate and connected with our, with our present moment experience. It, it has certainly felt to me um, like a coming home. It can feel like a coming home. Finding sort of just this, this familiar, comfortable, centered space. And sometimes it's a coming home to a raucous place too. Like going home to a lot of things happening. But it still has that quality of coming home. A sense of really feeling like embodied. Yeah. So another simile is thinking about um, the body as a gateway. A gateway to the present moment. To connecting with the present moment. Sometimes it's hard when we're busy in life and our minds are racing. It's hard to find the present moment. Hard to feel connected to it. And so the body is a way, a gateway to help us find it. It might be as simple as noticing my heart is pounding. Yeah, and that starts to help us connect more fully, more richly. So in the practice, we want to invite ourselves to be at ease as much as we can, right? And to be curious. Curious about what arises, paying particular interest to the breath and the body sensations. And maybe curious, but in a, hey, I see you, sweet little thought, Sit right here, kind of way. So it's not pushing it away, you know, it's not arguing with it, it's not saying you can't be here, but just like, okay, yep. Yeah. There's room here, too. Come over here and play. And, you know, we're, we're applying a gentle but persistent energy to stay present. It's so easy to get carried out to sea by our thinking. So easy. And you will. And that's going to happen. It's not a problem. The moment you recognize it, you're already back. So there's nothing to do but notice that you're back. That's it. Oh, I'm right here again. 
I'm right here, right here. There's nowhere, like, sometimes in instructions, you'll hear somebody say, and bring your awareness back to your breathing. I don't think it's necessary to kind of quite go that way. Because what we're doing is cultivating knowing, awareness, aware, you're aware. Right? As soon as you recognize you were thinking, you're aware. And the awareness is what we want. That's what we're building. That's what we're growing. So we can just, okay, like just hold and sit with the awareness and then the breath might start to come back into a present awareness or a sensation, right? Just sort of allowing the awareness to start to connect in that way. And just a reminder, gentle reminder, to respect your body, respect your edges, right? So not push too hard. If you're ending up in pain or you think you might be hurting yourself or, you know, you're, you're trying too hard, try and soften up or change your posture. So respect your edges. All right, so let's go ahead and slide more fully into a practice, taking a moment to find a good posture, supports the spine, its natural lift, maybe moving forward on the chair, trying that out, instead of leaning back, experimenting, you can always move. It's okay to get up and get cushions or things to put you know, I find it very helpful as well to have something right down near my lower back. Just a little bit of support helps me. And so then just sort of see, actually I have a preference, my personal preference is to lift my shoulders up toward the ears, kind of squeezing the ears, and then rolling the shoulder blades back toward each other. And really the elbows, squeezing open, squeezing together the elbows, right? And it opens the front chest. And then driving the shoulders and elbows down the side. So we've kind of really stretched and opened the front body. And then you can just sort of rest your hands on your legs. One hand on top of the other. Thumbs touching. Or just palms down on your thighs or palms up. It's all good. And for me, once I do this, I notice the body wants to take a natural big breath. All of a sudden, I've created a little more room in this chest for breath. So just inviting the body to take a few longer, slower, deeper breaths. And another image for me is, you know, as I'm doing this, as I'm taking these deeper breaths, my eyes tend to naturally want to close. And they don't have to be closed. We can gently gaze a few feet in front of ourselves. But as we, as we settle, it's almost like putting a snow globe down and all the glitter comes to the floor of the snow globe and the energy in the body 
can feel the same way as things come in, come down, come settle, come home. And then there can be more room for the breath, this anchor, or whatever your anchor is. I'm going to just say one thing here, which is, everything I'm offering is an invitation. You are welcome to change the language I offer so that it feels more comfortable for you in any way. You are welcome to disregard something I say. This is part of also respecting your edges and knowing and tuning into what's happening inside of yourself. There is no reason to deny your own truth, deny your needs. I offer guidance and you follow in a way that works for you. So feeling into this experience here, breathing here, And for purposes of kind of orienting toward the body and paying attention to the language of the body, I'll invite you to pay particular attention to your feet. And maybe getting a sense of the whole foot. Not creating a picture of the foot in your mind or looking down or touching your foot, but, but feeling and sensing the feet from inside the body. So we're not the commentators in the sports game evaluating the feet, but just in that simple way Feeling feet, these feet, and this moment. And so what is the language of these feet? Sensations that might be like tingling or vibrating, buzzing, pressure, temperature. You may notice that there's parts of your feet that are cool and other parts that are warm. You may notice there's parts of your feet that feel hard and others that feel soft.
Just holding awareness of the feet in a kind and gentle way. Whatever you're feeling and sensing is okay, even if it's uncomfortable. Maybe just saying it's okay. Just being present for whatever is being experienced. By being with our feet in this way, we can see how it's possible to explore other areas of our body. How we might be able to feel into the body with curiosity and sensitivity to whatever's present. So from here you can let go of attending to your feet And just allow your awareness to go back to whatever is prominent for you, the breath or the sensations. Maybe noting, thinking, or emotion, just kind of getting clear. And seeing if you can't find your anchor, feel into your anchor in the middle of it. bringing the same curiosity to whatever you're sensing now. Breathing in and breathing out. Maybe noticing a cool breeze on the skin. other sensation that calls your awareness to it. 
inviting a sense of ease, of intimacy and connection. Just this, just here. The body is a gateway to the present moment. Feeling the sensations is a way of listening deeply to our experience. And just for fun, as we come to the end, when I play the bell, see if you can feel the sound in your body. 
just noticing what you're aware of now. Staying close to your experience. And we'll, we'll open this up for some comments, reflections, and questions, and including from YouTube if anyone has anything. Richard will check the chat in a minute. And a reminder to use the microphone. So is anyone willing to share anything about your experience? I was able to feel my feet being warm. (laughs) And I'd never been able to actually get in touch with a particular body part, but somehow the way you explained it, um, I was able to feel it from the inside. And and I always have cold feet. So it was very (laughs) interesting to have warm feet. (laughs) Maybe your feet liked being felt. So I felt, well, my mind was wandering quite a bit, and I had to call it back a few times. So there's that. Thank you. How was that for you? If I may ask. My wandering mind? Yeah, and the the process you described of... Right. Um, I try to just use one word like wandering or daydreaming and then bring focus back to my breath or to feel different parts of my body just kind of going through the whole system. So a little distracting, but overall good. We're doing the practice. Trying. Yes? Um, Now that you mention... um, the thought process that you noticed, I also remember how I also have a running narrative of what I'm thinking about. It's like right now I'm thinking about my feet, now I'm thinking about something on my hand. So, mm. yeah. Would you like to make a comment or should I? Go ahead. Sure. Um, now I'm thinking about my feet, now I'm thinking about my hands. It, it sounds like the thinking was helping you to stay present. That's one of the um, one of the the bits of logic behind using a note is that we're we're noting what the attention comes into contact with. It's using a thought to keep us here. Skillful use of the uh, the mind that can stay active. And then uh, it, it, it is possible over time the body will settle down, breathing will settle down, and the thinking will for a time maybe slow its tempo, but um, we'll see. Thanks.
Um, I had what I thought was a very cool experience in that you had mentioned uh, trying to move away from your mind's map of what you think your body looks like. And I sort of like felt into like some like neck and shoulder pain that I have. And I was just like, I wonder like what this feels like from the mm. inside. And like, it was so different than the like shape of like anything. It was like sort of weird and like, Felt like almost like symbolic, like uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I just thought that was cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's going to be. Um, we're going to touch more on that shortly when we talk about talk about pain. But isn't it fascinating how the the sensations we're presenting, maybe in a shape or a form or a texture or something, it was different than your idea of the neck and shoulders. Yeah, thank you for that observation. Okay, so I have um, a question that's kind of difficult, and I hesitate to ask it, but... Um, so I have a rare pain, and maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about pain, but I have a rare pain disorder where if I focus on it, it becomes a feedback loop and gets magnified. So if maybe in our pain discussion, if you have any ideas about how to break a feedback loop of pain perception, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a difficult one. So it's a big question. So It, it is. It is. Um... I think we would be really well served. Why don't we spend a few minutes together at the end of the session? Okay. But something I can say now is, um, and, and I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'm actually going to say exactly this. The experience of pain, as you all know, is like it's composed both of, both of nerve information and the recognition up here, or recognition where the recognition happens. Yes. Oh, this is, this is danger. Yes. And there's a way that it, it sort of gets stuck. It can get stuck in itself. When I was working with this injury, there came a time where I ended up actually talking with my pain yes. and sa saying something like, oh, thank you for the information. I'm safe. Uh, the, you, you've done your work. And um, um, we're, we're safe here now. And actually having that conversation sort of let the, metaphorically, let the pain know it had done its job and somehow, for me, helped undermine the loop. But we can, we can connect more. No, yeah. Thank you for reminding me that because that's exactly what my pain psychologist says for two different pain psychologists. So, yeah. Hmm. I don't know why it didn't occur. So. Yeah. Maybe one last thing about that. I realized I went straight to process and the first thing is like, that's really difficult. Uh, I'm... Uh, I'm recognizing it, it's, it can be really challenging to work with consistent pain. So thank you. Thank you for the practice you're doing. So I have a chronic illness and fatigue is a significant part of that. So I actually dozed off during that meditation uh, and I noticed that I, I did that earlier in the week as well when it was later in the day. And so I'm not sure sort of how to 
work with that, knowing that that's probably going to be a challenge for me. So any, any just comments or thoughts you have about that would be great. Maybe I'll just say something, and then you can pick up and take off on the next part. Sure. But, um, um, maybe just learning the rhythms of your body, right? So um, something to learn, to know about yourself. And maybe it's perfect to fall asleep a little bit in the evening because you're tired. So just to, to not make it a problem, to have it be information, maybe have it help inform you about when you practice. and um, Yeah, and um, it's great. Great, you know you fell asleep, and hopefully you got a little rest. <laughs> I did. Good. Yeah. Maybe I'll uh, I'll add this briefly, and then segue into our our next section. Um, Gil will often mention at the beginning of a meditation retreat how uh, a great a great many of us are perhaps sleep deprived and uh, maybe could benefit from an early night's rest. And a secret of the first night of a meditation retreat is we always go to bed early. <laughs> and then the, the other thing is that um, someone who's, who's close to me has, has made it a practice of um, being like very uh, acutely mindful of the state of sleepiness and has discovered all sorts of interesting things, like where it's living in the body, uh, and how it moves and functions. So just to just to say that that too can can be part of it. That too can be part of the practice. Great. You know, while we were doing the guided meditation, I was really taken by this this uh, image of the anchor. And because we uh, we live so close to the bay, I was thinking, I actually saw in my mind's eye, I don't know how many of you did, had this happen, an anchor in the ocean. And I was seeing the sort of sway of the seaweed and imagining the little, little sea life floating along, the temperature of the currents, the different aspects. And I was thinking how all of those, all of those parts of the sea are right there with the anchor. They didn't disappear. So our whole life, in the same way, is right here with the anchor, whatever it is. The body is right here with the breathing. The emotions that are right here with the breathing, our states, our thoughts. And as we're, as we're bit by bit, uh, practicing with one aspect of our experience and then widening, Practicing with the breathing, widening to the body, widening to emotions, thinking, learning to include more and more. So for now, keep it simple. Our practice is with the breathing. Our practice is with the body, sensations of the body. I appreciated how the the attention can be both directed, as it was when we were feeling into our feet, can direct the attention to the body to really feel into, sense into from the inside out what's going on in a part of the body. 
can also be a receptive attention that maybe takes in the whole body globally. It can also be uh, a mix of the body and the breath. Let's say our, our anchor is the breathing. Say there's, say there's a sensation that arises in the body that's calling awareness. It's more compelling. It becomes predominant. Letting go of the breathing, attending to that sensation while it lasts, while it's compelling. And then when that fades, going back to the anchor. The movement from object to object, not a problem. Attend, like going along with, attending in the sense of going along with the attention. We're still doing the practice, whatever the experience is. For many of us, and especially, especially, I think, in the beginning months and years of practice, there can be a lot of discomfort in the seated posture or in the, whatever meditation posture you use. So you may be experiencing sensations that are predominant. Um, those two get to be included. And there's a way that, there's a way that whatever needs to be experienced will come up for you in the course of meditation. Uh, I, have a, I have a faith that we can trust that. So the fact that a discomfort has come up, not a problem. Not a problem. How to, how to, how to engage with that in a way that's caring and gentle and clear. So the discomfort can take, uh, take any number of forms and sort of be part of a spectrum. Discomfort can be very mild. It can be very intense. It can come up in the form of agitation. It can come up in the form of pain. This pain is a very, very interesting part of practice. Uh, I think for all of us it comes up sooner or later. So I, I appreciate something Tanya said earlier respect your edges. We're going to talk about practicing with pain and very important to emphasize this for me. Respect your edges. Stay in your choice. Choose how much you're going to practice with pain for now. There's a time and a place for sort of strong determination with pain that can be a good teacher. And there's a time and a place for being very gentle. So then you'll have to discern To bring in another image, I did something, uh, but right before the session, I did something I haven't done in a really long time. I was sitting out here on the bench. I was enjoying the trees, the breeze in the trees, and I looked up at the sky and I watched a cloud. Just watched a cloud. Who knew? <laughs> Who would think? And I was watching its shape, just really just slowly drifting, slowly changing some of it kind of fading away. Yeah, it was so relaxing just to be there and watch the cloud. And it occurred to me, this is perfect. This is the perfect dharma for, this is the perfect teaching for talking about pain. Clouds, just like pain, they're composites. A pain is not one thing. 
the ex- an experience of pain is not made up of one condition. It's not just a lump. It's interesting, though, because our perception says if we hold pain at a distance, it's like, oh, that pain is solid. It's one thing. It's over there. It's pain. But really interesting, just like the cloud, actually, it's made up of, a cloud is made up of some sort of particle. It's made up of uh, a sort of mist in the sky that's condensed around these things, the right temperature. Things have to be just so, and they're always changing. And the same with pain. It's always changing. And if we get close to, in the same way we're practicing with our feet earlier, if we get close to, if we get into, we feel pain intimately, maybe say at an appropriate distance, if it's too much, there's a way that it reveals itself. There's a way that it... um, the threads that make up pain start to loosen and tease apart. It might be that what we think of as pain, what we think of as one pain, if we get close to it, it might be that it's a combination of, say, pressure or, uh, and heat and maybe a little bit of tingling. Or this particular pain might have a feeling of twisting involved in it. could be any number of things. But the very same curiosity that we bring to sensation and bring to breathing, we bring to pain, and it can reveal itself. What's very interesting in, about this is that as we tease it apart, you might notice this, any given, any given sensation, pain included, when we tease it apart, it has a tendency to start breaking up. It might reassert itself very quickly, but then it breaks up, breaks up, breaks up or changes. One of the things that keeps pain maybe seeming unitary is the interpretations. It's the, uh, it's the things that, are, that aren't actually physical sensation, but are other parts of our being, kind of like the glue. So say, I feel, I feel a sensation that's unpleasant in my hip while I'm sitting. The thought, oh, that shouldn't be there. Um, I think this, mean, this means that uh, uh, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to walk pretty soon. I'm, pretty soon I'm like three, four steps down the line from the physical sensation in a, in a narrative. So just the same way we were talking about the difference between the game and the commentary, there's a way of relating to pain that's similar, where we can experience pain as the physical sensation and notice also what's, what's added, what's, it, what's the commentary, what's the interpretation. And that can support this teasing apart process. Um, I can say, it, it, as, the, as that practice starts to develop and pain starts to reveal itself, there's a way that, there's a way that actually you can be there with pain totally with pain, and be independent of it. And actually, uh, totally unexpected, maybe even relaxed some of the time. The big qualifier with all this, some sort of talking about pain in a general way, working with, working with our, our own pain, it's particular. We can use some of these same strategies, but there are, you know, 
we never want to we never want to like exacerbate our injuries by with this good dharma mindfulness advice please take very good care of yourselves and follow your wisdom follow your wisdom the practice we introduced of uh, maybe offering a note can help us to tease apart what it is that's making up an experience of pain can actually let the mind register and recognize oh this is a comment pain, pain, heat vibration comment oh fear, there's emotion anyway that can help with this parsing process So in the practice that includes our whole life, this, um, this whole spectrum of discomfort will very likely begin to show itself and can be a, a rich, a rich uh, field in which we discover more and more about freedom of attention and awareness. It's not all pain, of course. We have great pleasures in meditation that can come forward an independence of awareness and attention. One aspect of experience I want to note before we go into a a guided meditation is um, say the body is in some level of discomfort and you've discerned that, oh, this for now, for me, for now, this is too much. This is too much. Moving is an option, a good one. Tuning into something neutral is a good option. I've also heard tuning into sounds, tuning into sounds. If the body for now is too much, opening up, opening up to mindfulness of sounds. And we'll explore mindfulness of sounds a little bit in this guided meditation. Why don't we find our way back to our meditation posture? Feeling the steadiness. the sensations of an upright, balanced body. Maybe even renewing the shoulder roll that we did earlier. The spine both alert and relaxed. The chest open. Belly relaxed. Can lengthen... Give a, invite a little space in the top vertebrae with the top of the spine and the neck. She may find that tucks your, ten, your chin just gently. Greeting the body, your companion for life.
and connecting again with your anchor. Be that sounds or awareness of the whole body or the breathing. Allowing a soft breath to be a soft breath and a full breath to be a full breath. Just enough energy to sustain contact and curiosity. And for the sake of an exercise, letting go for now of effort to stay with the anchor, opening up to the sphere of sounds. in a wide, receptive way. Receiving the sounds as they come in and letting them pass right through. If the sound sparks a thought, sparks a comment, to parse, to discern, to tease apart, the sound, just the sound. Comment, just the comment. relating to sound in this way, 
pleasant or unpleasant. The sound does not request a response. Pleasant sound is just pleasant sound passing right through. Unpleasant sound is unpleasant sound passing right through. Again, as I ring the bell, can you listen with the whole body? transition into a few last minutes of Q&A, given our conversation of sound and commentary and pleasant and unpleasant today, I found, I came across the perfect quote from the founder of Zen Center, Suzuki Roshi. You may have heard this before. It says teaching on sound versus noise. And uh, I think he was a Tassara. He says, when we hear the bird, actually, I'm not listening to the bird. And then very cute, he goes, peep, peep, peep. He says, when you are reading something, you may think, the blue jay is on my roof, but their voice is not so good. When you think in that way, that's noise. And then he says the most important thing. When you're not disturbed by the blue jay, the blue jay will come right into your heart. When you're not disturbed, the blue jay will come right into your heart. So maybe you have uh, something you'd like to share or some question. I think for the second half, 
of that meditation where I actually tried sitting on the floor for the first time. I tried not to be so disturbed by feeling uncomfortable. And then I felt comfortable. It was really strange. I was just like, oh, wow, I'm not trying to move. I was just, and I, I wanted to hold on to that. But I'm like, wait, if I hold on, to, I'm going to get attached to it. So I kind of just let it be. And I'm like, wow, it was really cool. So thank, yeah, it was nice. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I love that you, you tried it out and had that experience or had an experience. That's a, a great example of um, losing the commentator, right? Like we add so much to our experience with our comments and reactions. So it's like turning that TV volume off, you know, nice work. to give people time to ask questions now I'll go ahead but um okay so that really helped the um the visualization with the pan this is Holly again um the visualization that you mentioned Kodo of the of letting the sound pass through you and being expansive like having an expansive perception so it was like I gave space to my body and became like the size of the entire soundscape. And um, I think Gil has talked about um, imagining yourself as more space if you have a lot of thoughts bouncing around like ping pong balls. Nice. And it did the same, I think it did the same thing as with the pain signals or the pain whatever, pain ruminations. Mm-hmm. It gave them space and also provided a little distraction um, while still maintaining that anchor of mindfulness in the breath or the body. So, yeah, that seems like a pretty good antidote. Happy to hear it. So it sounds like during the meditation on sounds, it opened up your perception of space to be broader, and that gave more room for the, the pain signals to have, have, some, have some space around them or inside them. Or... Yes, yeah, instead of being focused in one area, kind of like you mentioned earlier. Hmm. It, it wasn't so much pulling them apart, it was just giving a, a ton of space to Great. a concentrated location. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Um, I was just wondering if there's a way to be like entirely like with sound uh, in the absence of kind of like associations and emotional charge that comes with it. Because uh, 
unfortunately, I got a lot of emotional charge. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I find that I can fall into a, a place where I'm thinking about the feelings that come with specific sounds, and uh, that's feels counterproductive. Wanna go ahead? Sure. I like actually sound meditation. Great. I like it a lot. Um, and one of the key things that helps me is not to be imagining what's making the sound. Um, because then I start to create a lot of mental fabrications and stories. And I like to um, see if I can feel, because I, I really sense the vibrations of sound, you know, like there's a car moving, and you can feel, oh, it's shifting where you feel it in your body. So um, receiving, that's another word I like, is receive the sound. We don't need to go out and find the sound. It comes to us. So more of a receptivity. And... Um, uh, you know, if you have particular associations with particular sounds that are very strong, it, it's a, it takes a long time, right? So maybe that there are certain kinds of sounds or things that are triggering that have a lot of uh, impact for you. And so knowing that and then bringing compassion maybe to that. Um, is that helpful? Yeah. You want to add anything? I was thinking... I was thinking if, um, say, the breathing is generally a more useful anchor, for example, if that is true for you, and you're exploring the world of sounds, one way to do it would be to ground ground yourself in your anchor and then decide, okay, now I'm going to open up to this thing that I know is a little more stimulating for me, and let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens, and let's do that for however long, a few minutes if you want, and then come back and settle. And that sort of back and forth, so you can you can have your meditative resources about you. And then again, if it, if uh, say meditation on sounds encourages a response, to note that response, to be attentive to it, you're doing the practice. Thank you. Okay, so we're about ending. So I'm just going to. Um, if you didn't pick up a handout, they're on the stage as you come in over by Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. And so uh, the homework for this week is to continue to practice 20 minutes a day. Can't do 15, 20, do 15. Can't do 15, do 10. Can't do 10, do 5, right? And break it up maybe so you get your full 20 if it's possible. Um, and... Um, there's an invitation to take two hours uh, during the week to do a devoted mindfulness of your body practice in daily life. Um, so, you know, yoga, swimming, going for a walk, those are all easy places to kind of practice for a sustained period. For more broken up, one of the nice things... Uh, one of the practices I grew for a while was um, every time I got up to walk somewhere, practicing mindfulness of the body, moving. So that's a nice way to build in something um, into the daily life is every time you get up and walk somewhere, it's practice. Um, you know, we're talking about the body, so we've talked about sensations, and then we just added sounds because the body does hear. 
The body also tastes and smells. So this week you're invited to have a mindful meal, to spend a whole meal or start a whole meal as mindfully as you can. It can be very um, fun to do eating meditation, like sometimes a raisin or an orange, you know, so smaller bits like that, but really taking time, smell it before you taste it, listen to it, you know, notice that you'll start to salivate. There's so many things you can feel your body wanting to swallow. You know, there's just so much to notice. So you might do a smaller eating experiment with a little piece of fruit or something like that. And then see if you can, how much of a meal you can pay attention to. You can try putting your fork or spoon down between bites. That can help. Then you're really aware before you pick it up again. Wait till you're swallowed, you know. So, um, but one meal, have fun with it. See what you can notice. And the fourth invitation for this week is to be curious about the things that take you away, that distract you. you it'd be, it's, there's a lot of information there particular thoughts or reactions or fantasies or, you know, just be curious. What, what is it that, that kidnaps my awareness? What kidnaps me? <laughs> what happens? You know, just, just noting it and paying particular attention, being curious about it. So thank you so much for being here and your practice and... If you have questions afterwards, we'll be here, and um, hopefully we'll see you next week.